He came from Minnesota. His name was Bon, B-O-H-N, Bon Fox. He was a pilot in World War II. He flew a B-17. And one day he was flying across Germany when his plane got hit, got hit in the gas tank, hit with a 20-millimeter shell. It should have blown him out of the sky, but it didn't. The plane didn't explode. It just didn't make any sense. But Bon was grateful, very grateful. But the next day, Bon turned to his crew chief and said, hey, would you check out the plane? I don't understand what happened yesterday. Can you help me figure this out? So the crew chief carefully checked that fuel tank, and he was even more amazed. The fuel tank had been hit 11 times, 11 bombs drilled into that gas tank, and not a one of them exploded. So now the whole crew was puzzled. So they brought in some technicians to carefully open up each one of the bombs and see what had actually happened. And inside each one of those bombs, they found there was no explosive charge. But inside each one of those shells, there was a note that was carefully rolled up and tied with a string, and it was written in Czech, the Czechoslovakian language. So they brought in a translator to find out what was on the notes, and they found it was the same message on each one of the notes, and the message read, uh, this is all I can do for you right now. Using Jewish slave labor is never a good idea. <laughs> Isn't that something? A Jewish man had been forced to work in a factory building bombs for the Nazis. So he's working in a place where he doesn't want to be. He's doing something he doesn't want to be a part of. I mean, you talk about being stuck in a bad place. How can you find any meaning or purpose in such a situation? But rather than feeling sorry for himself and say, hey, I'm helpless because I'm in this hopeless situation. No, this Jewish man chose to look at his circumstances in a different light. What if God put me here? What if I'm not here by accident? What if I'm here by design? What if God has strategically placed me in this factory so I can help make a difference in the war against Germany? And so every day this courageous man would stand there in the assembly line and when he had a chance... When his Nazi bosses were not looking, he would disarm the bombs that came down his line. Now, he's just one man. He couldn't end the war by himself, but he could save one of the planes. He couldn't do everything, but he could do something. And in his own small way, he helped to save lives. Have you ever had one of those moments when you find yourself thinking, how did I wind up here? You know, it's 9.30 at night. You're standing at the kitchen sink. You've got dishes stacked up all around you. And you begin to think, how did I get in this family with all these people that eat so much and make so many dirty dishes? Is this really the life God intended for me? Or maybe, maybe it's time for your annual review and your boss is not a very sympathetic guy. So your heart's beating fast because you're not sure how this is going to go. And as you're sitting in, their chair, sitting there in the chair, nervously waiting to be called in his office, you begin to think, how did I wind up in this job? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Or maybe you're a sophomore at college and it's two weeks before Christmas break. Term papers are due. Finals are coming up. You haven't had a decent night's sleep in the past three days because of the pressure you feel and the deadlines you're facing and all the work that has to get done. And as you sit there at the desk trying to cram all this information in your brain, you pause for a moment. You begin to think, how did I wind up here? Is this really the life that I am supposed to be living? But what if, in every one of those situations, you turn things around? What if you chose to see your circumstances differently? What if, like that Jewish man working in a bomb factory, you began to realize, I'm not here by accident. I'm here by design. What if God put me here? You know, would that not change your outlook? Instead of asking, why do I have to put up with this? What if you began to ask, what if God put me here? What if you began to see yourself as God sees you? Then Maybe you begin to ask, well, then, in this situation, how do I help? How do I serve? How do I make a difference for him? 
I don't know if you watched any of the documentaries or read any of the stories we've been hearing throughout the year 2019 about NASA, the Space Center. All year long, we've been celebrating the 50th anniversary of landing a man on the moon. And all year long, they've been telling the stories about all these men and all these women who helped contribute to, to the success of that mission. Well, here's the story that caught my attention. One day, 1962, President John Kennedy, the one who inspired the whole operation, the one who challenged the entire country, let's put a man on the moon before the end of the decade. One day, 1962, he came down to the Space Center in Florida to see how things were going. And that day, as he was taking a tour of the facilities, the president noticed a man standing way off in the corner with a broom in his hand. So the president paused, he walked over, he shook his hand and said, hi, I'm John Kennedy. What do you do here? And the man could have easily said, well, I'm one of the janitors, I helped keep the place clean, but he didn't. Instead, he responded, well, Mr. President, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. I love that answer because he answered the right way. You see, that man realized I'm a part of something much bigger than myself. He wasn't just pushing a broom. He was making history. In his own small way, he was doing his part to help put a man on the moon. He was a vital part of the team, too. That man had a right perspective. And I think it's the perspective that God wants every one of us to have. It's the lesson I think we learn in this verse that we're going to examine today. Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 5. God says to the nation of Israel, I have set you. And there's the key part of the verse, set you. Israel, I have set you in the center of the nations. I have specifically put you in this place so you can make a difference for others. And that expression, set you, it's the same phrase that's used back in the book of Genesis chapter 2, where we learn not only did God create Adam, God also prepared a specific place for Adam to live, a specific place for him to work and serve. Genesis chapter 2 verse 8 says, And the Lord planted a garden called Eden, and there, not anywhere else, and there he put the man, there he put Adam. God had strategically placed Adam in a very particular place, a place where Adam could not only come to know the Lord really well and just really enjoy his walk with God, but a place where Adam could also serve God, a place where he could add to and make a difference in his environment. And what God did for Adam, God also did for the nation of Israel. That's what we're going to learn here in the book of Ezekiel. And I believe what God did for Adam and what God did for the nation of Israel, I think he's done for every one of us too. Let's take a look at our scripture and see what we can learn. Ezekiel Chapter 5, let me give you a little context. As Ezekiel's writing this, the nation of Israel is being punished by God. They've, they've been taken away from their home. They're not allowed to live in the promised land anymore because they forgot why they were there. So Ezekiel chapter 5, God is describing all the different ways in which he's going to punish his people. But then you get to verse 5 and God pauses for a moment just so he can remind the Israelites, remember, here's why I made you. Here's why I formed you as a nation. Here's why I put you in this specific place. I put you here for a reason. What's the reason? Take a look at what it says. This is what the sovereign Lord says. This is Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the capital city. It's the most prominent city, the most important city in the entire land. But many times when God says this is Jerusalem, he's not just talking about the city. He's talking about the whole nation. And I think that's what he means here. This is Jerusalem. This is Israel. Israel, here's what I had in mind for you. Not for Egypt, not for Babylon, not for Rome, not for Greece. I had other plans for them. No, Israel, here's what I had in mind for you. I have set you in the center of the nations with countries all around. Get that? I didn't put you in the mountains of Nepal. I didn't put you in the rainforest of Brazil. I didn't put you in the frozen tundra of Norway. No, I put you here in the land of Canaan. 
I put you on this piece of property at this moment of history so you could be right at the center of the action. You're going to be a place where eventually all the nations of the world are going to come passing through and you're going to have a chance to interact with them. And as a result, you're going to have an, uh, an opportunity to become an influence upon them. In other words, God's message to Israel is this. You're my missionaries. You're my ambassadors. All others in the world are going to learn about me because of the contact they make with you, because of what they see and experience in their encounter with me. Here's a way to think about it. Uh, There's a church down in Cincinnati that learned this very same lesson. You know, we are here at this time, this place, because this is where God wanted us to be. But they learned that lesson in kind of an irritating way. The church has just recently expanded their parking lot. And at first that turned out to be a real blessing, something real nice. But then it ended up becoming this enormous problem because all the cars from the surrounding neighborhood began to use their parking lot as a shortcut. I mean, it just saved a lot of time, saved a lot of hassle to cut across the blacktop and avoid the traffic on the main roads. Well, with all that extra traffic, it brought a lot of additional wear and tear in the church parking lot. And it also began to make things kind of dangerous for the church members. Because now you just never knew as you're trying to walk from the building to your car when one of those cars from the neighborhood might come speeding by. And so the church members began to get upset and they began to complain. Hey, we got to put a stop to this. We got to put up some kind of barricade. We got to keep our neighbors from using our parking lot. That's when one of the elders stood up and said, but uh, didn't God put us here? Didn't God put us in this spot so we could reach this community? Maybe instead of complaining, maybe we need to find a way to help. So they did. Now, every morning, Monday through Friday, there's a different people in the church who will get up early and they'll set up tables right at the entrance of the parking lot and they'll put up a sign that says free hot coffee and donuts just to make your drive to work a little more pleasant. And then every evening there's a different set of volunteers who will show up at the entrance to the parking lot and they'll bring their grills and they put up a sign finish the day with a little refreshment free hot dogs and drinks. And now everybody in that community is talking about that church and how kind and how thoughtful they are. Well, that's exactly what God wanted the nation of Israel to do with all these different countries that were going to come across their parking lot. See, if you turn to the back of your Bible and you looked at all those maps and you specifically looked at a map of Israel, have you ever stopped to notice this, the land of Israel? I mean, in comparison to the rest of the world, there's not much there. I mean, if I was a real estate agent, I'd be thinking to myself, that might be a hard piece of property uh, to sell. I mean, I know the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but that's only if you get the proper amount of rainfall. In the land of Israel, there's not much in the way of springs, wells, or rivers. In fact, there's just one main river. It's way over in the eastern border. It's the Jordan River. It's just this tiny ribbon that kind of runs between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. But there's not enough water in that, that little river to irrigate the whole land. So unless God opens the skies and provides some rain, the land of Israel can be a very hot and very miserable place to live. Not only that, it's kind of tiny. You can pretty much stand on one of the central mountains and on a clear day you can see every one of the boundaries, north, south, east, west. It's not a big place. But here's the fascinating thing. Over the past 4,000 years of history, on an average, about every 40 years, some army from some part of the world has come marching through that land, wanting to take it over and conquer it. And why? Because in the ancient world, all the other countries of the world realized how Israel was sitting in this strategic place. Here's what I mean. If you were looking at that map, the land of Israel, you notice on the one side you've got the Mediterranean Sea. On the other side, you've got the Arabian Desert. So even though this is kind of a small piece of property, Israel's like a bottleneck. 
And the only way in the ancient world to get from any of the countries in Asia to any of the countries in Africa or to get from Africa to Asia, you had to go through Israel. Now, you might try to travel by sea, but in the ancient world, that was considered to be much too risky. The only safe way to travel was to travel by land. And so just like that parking lot of the church down there in Cincinnati, people in the ancient world realized, you know, if there's going to be any kind of trade between the countries, if there's going to be any kind of exports and imports, if there's going to be any kind of cultural exchange, eventually you've got to go through Israel. The Egyptians did it, the Romans did it, the Greeks did it, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, and you can mention many others as well. Well, that's exactly what God wanted. And that's what God is talking about here. Israel, wake up. Do you realize what a strategic place you're sitting in? I put you right at the center of the action. I put you in a place where eventually you're going to end up meeting all the peoples of this world. And as you begin to interact with them, you're going to have an opportunity to serve, help, and be an influence on Israel. You are God's conduit, the conduit through which his grace can flow and end up touching the whole planet. Gordon McDonald is a preacher was preaching one time in, uh, for a church for a few years there in New York City. And every day, in order to get from his apartment to the church building, he'd have to ride the bus. Same bus back and forth. So over a couple of weeks, he became very acquainted with the bus driver. In fact, the bus driver ended up becoming a member of his church. Well, one day, at the end of the ride, the bus driver pulled him aside and began to complain. He said, Mac, you got it easy. You have it so much better than me as a preacher. You have this interesting job. I mean, with all the speaking you do, you get a chance to travel all over the world. And with all your preaching and counseling, you get this opportunity to interact with some really fascinating people. And you get the chance to see their lives being changed. That must be so exciting. But me, I'm stuck on this bus. Every day, same old, same old, driving the same bus, driving up and down the same streets. Nothing special ever happens. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. I feel like I'm wasting my time here on earth. And Gordon McDonald said, well, how about we turn things around? Let's look at your circumstances a little bit differently. Do you realize that your job could be your ministry too? Here's what I mean. Every day, first thing you get on the bus, before anybody else gets on, pray. Just spend a little moment walking up and down the aisle and pray and dedicate that bus to God. Make it a sanctuary for him. Consecrate that bus to the glory of God. And then for the rest of the day, begin to act like this bus this is the place where God's going to live. This is the place where he's going to work. And then watch what happens. A couple of weeks later, Gordon McDonald came back from a trip overseas and he saw the bus driver and the man was all smiles. He says, Mac, you wouldn't believe it. My life's been transformed. I've been doing exactly what you said. Every day I pray. I dedicate that bus to God. And now I see this bus as my mission field. And that perspective has changed everything. Well, what's true for the bus driver should be true for every one of us. You don't have to go to Panama or to Poland to be a missionary for God. You can be an ambassador for Jesus right where you are. doesn't matter if you're a student, a mother, a preschool teacher, or selling ice cream at the Dairy Queen. You're not there by accident. You are there to represent the Lord. So rather than being annoyed with people and all the irritating things they do and think, why do I have to put up with this? Why not turn things around? Why not begin to see yourself and the situation you're in the way God sees it? What if this is my mission field for him? And if it is, then how can I serve? How can I help? In this moment, how can I make a difference for him? Let's pray.